Welcome to the My Catholic Homestead podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Matthew. And I'm Carissa. We're excited for you to join us as we talk about the Catholic faith on the homestead. Welcome to another episode of the My Catholic Homestead podcast. I will say I'm extremely excited about this particular conversation because I believe it is one of the most highly anticipated episodes or a series of conversations that we will have, which ultimately centers around how do you begin a Catholic homestead? We've been here for over a year at this point. We've been running this farm and we've started a Catholic homestead. And I'm sure that there's a few different things that we could probably point to at this point that we have recognized would be very important to consider if we could go back and start all over again. So for those people who may be considering beginning a Catholic homestead today, where would you start? Yeah, I think that looking at the ideas that we've come up with, these are actually things that we did focus on in our time leading up to finding the land and really starting what we consider our homestead. But there were four things that just came up a lot that we spent a lot of time investing in to develop our understanding and get us to the homestead. That being community, all things food, the family rule, and liturgical life and prayer on the homestead. Wonderful. I think it'd be good. So maybe we could take each of those items and we can just break them down because there are a lot of people who are listening to this who are wondering where do in fact I begin and that can be very difficult. Yeah I think that one of the most natural places to begin is finding community of other people that have similar goals and are homesteading. I think that that can be really important because choosing to live this way is kind of countercultural, and you can receive a lot of pushback from people who might not understand it or haven't heard about it or just don't value the same things and that can be really discouraging because it is challenging to learn a lot of new skills. Yeah. I think one thing that we've found over, maybe not even after just having been here for a year, but even within that time frame, is that even some of the people who are within our community or people that we are aware of who are also homesteading and oftentimes are Catholic also, is that they become seemingly discouraged. Mm -hmm. And I think you can see that oftentimes just in the way that people carry themselves or in the way that they talk about their homesteads is that the burden of maintaining the lifestyle of the homestead becomes particularly challenging over time simply because it's very difficult, it's manual, it's time-consuming. Oftentimes it requires a hefty capital investment up front. Mm -hmm. And if we fail to understand that those things are going to eventually pay off or that they are a part of a vision for a Catholic the homestead then it can become particularly discouraging Mm -hmm. and if you have community or you have people around you who are willing to support you and interested in the same things that you're either interested in or recognize the value of them then it becomes very encouraging and constantly supportive to continue to do those things that often as you mentioned are maybe countercultural or seemingly just not a part of modern life. Yeah, I think that good community can give hope and motivation and encouragement. One thing that I think a lot of us tend to get caught up in in pursuing this homesteading goal is looking towards our ancestors for encouragement. Like, well, our grandparents or our great parents did all of this, so I I can do it because they did it. But then a lot of times it feels defeating like well how are they doing all of this because it's actually really hard and I feel like I can't do it and how were they doing it but I think that it might be healthier for us to not necessarily use our ancestors as our community and as our motivator because 
their life circumstances were completely different than ours. So looking to the people present right now that are doing this, that are having the same struggles as you, that are getting the same hangups, that are learning the same hard lessons, I think that that might be a much better place to put your focus in building the encouragement in the community. Yeah. So maybe that would be for a lot of people, you know, we can certainly be inspired by our ancestral roots or we mm-hmm. can be inspired by some of our uh, lineage and we can also take wisdom from that. But we should also be very mindful that our times and our circumstances, including our financial situations, our education levels, whether or not we were raised with agrarian lifestyle, mm-hmm. whether or not we are in a vocation of marriage or a sink or we're currently maybe in a single position or mm-hmm. pursuing a religious life. All of those things make it so that right now your circumstances are unique and different and that's acceptable and understandable for where you are. So I suppose then it would be if we're saying that a community is important, where would that community come from? Well, I think that we have actually found a lot of community within our church and then just kind of connecting with different families that we meet one family that's homesteading and they connect us with another family and then you go to a meetup of something and then you meet five more families that are homesteading and I think that's been one of the most natural and organic ways for us to build community. But before we even knew friends that had these same goals, there was a lot of people online that I know you and I both looked at for encouragement and motivation and like, okay, how would we make this work? There, There's a lot of people um, on YouTube that yeah. are homesteading and that style of community is probably more so a how-to they can you can learn new skills really well by watching somebody lay it out practically in a video and and just getting more creative ideas of like how did they find land how did they build a house out of cob or whatever just thinking outside of the box i think that internet communities like that can help you to get creative yeah So I guess maybe to add on to that, I think a lot of people will listen to a conversation around folks who are interested in homesteading and they may be shy of the internet. And I would argue that the internet is simply a tool and nothing more. It is neither inherently bad nor inherently good. Oftentimes, and I think I would definitely argue for this, it is probably a net negative to the world at this point, yet mm-hmm. it does also present an opportunity for conversations like this even, if mm-hmm. you, you know, we couldn't have this conversation without the internet. And yet I would say that if you are interested in utilizing the internet, it is basically a substitution for what would otherwise be written information, which you could also go do by visiting a library and gathering information that way, and in some ways being a part of that communal environment. Yeah. But ultimately I would make sure that people understand that the internet is effectively reserved to a how-to environment and Mm -hmm. an opportunity to learn from people around the world. I would like to comment on, because I think it's important, that if you're looking for people who are also homesteading or at least involved in that homesteading realm as you begin it, you're often not going to find families that are exactly like yours who are faith-motivated and homesteading all at the same time. But what you might find is that you may find a friend in a neighbor who has been farming for X amount of years, who lives in a degree of proximity to you. I was told by some friends when I first moved out here that a neighbor is anyone within 15 minutes of you, so take (laughs) that for what it's worth. But some other places that you may find homesteading or people who are at least familiar with skills that you would want to learn from would be, for example, when you have cows or any type of ruminant animal and you need hay for the winter. 
there is someone who's going to, you know, you could go online and you could find someone who's selling hay nearby you. Well, that person is going to have some idea of what it means to raise animals. And that's a place where you could learn a lot of information from. But what I would encourage people in that is not just to allow it to be a transaction where you pay money for the hay, but to take time to ask questions about what is going on in that person's life, what their experiences are at home setting or at least living in a country setting, and also possibly being willing to invite them into your home for dinner, a meal, or fellowship and friendship. And that can go a long way in creating phenomenal relationships and also extending community. Because likely what you'll find is that when you live in a country setting, trust is an enormous part of it. And in order for you to become a part of the community at large in the country, you must become a familiar face within the community. And sometimes that simply means patronizing the people within the community and being willing to take time to have conversations. Yeah, one of the things that I think we really emphasized whenever we first moved out here was having people over for dinner or going to meet new families around us that we knew were also homesteading and going over to their place to see the homestead, to maybe have a meal together, and to just have build that community of we're, we're doing this together and here's what we've learned here's how we can help you or you can help us and I think that that was a little bit outside of our comfort zone but I think that it's really helped us to build our connections and meet other families that are doing the same thing as us entirely we've met not only I mean we've met multiple different groups of people I would say I would argue that honestly one of the most important relationships that has been developed out here is from a you know, I won't name him, but it's from a neighbor out here who's really helped me in many ways that I don't think I could really thank him for effectively. And oftentimes that's as simple as providing me with guidance or recommendation or allowing me to use certain equipment of his, mm -hmm. but it has been a game changer in allowing me to really generate the confidence in order to be able to take on the land by myself. Because as I've learned, there's a lot of things that we can plan for out here, especially with what it might look like to deal with larger animals. Mm -hmm. It is a whole nother thing to have a helpful guide who can help you, yeah. not just in teaching you what to do, but supporting you so that you maintain and develop the confidence needed to work with these types of animals that we do work with out here. Yeah. A couple of the things that have been super helpful are when specifically when we've been dealing with cows and we come across an issue that we have no idea how to handle it because we've never owned cows and we've never known anyone that owns cows and you have five friends that are cattle farmers that you can call up and be like okay this situation came up how do you handle it and so another thing that actually has been helpful with that is looking for other local small farms just looking for people who are farming regeneratively, have similar values in how they're raising food. That's another way that you've actually met a lot of people is calling them up and having a conversation. We buy from them. We buy meat from them when we're out of it or when it's just not something that we raise ourselves. And that has been a really good way to also meet people and find support 
when we come across new issues. That's a great point because I think a lot of, if you can find folks who specifically identify their farms, and this is maybe very specific to the year 2023 or times around that, Mm -hmm. but if you can find, and that's based on marketing terms, that's why I call that out. But if you can find people around you who farm in a way that they describe as regenerative, Mm -hmm. then you're likely going to find people who very much care about the land and are engaged with utilizing the land in a stewardship manner Mm -hmm. or in a regenerative manner that is necessarily important to the ecology of the land, but is probably very similar to the way that you envision utilizing the land from a Catholic perspective. Mm -hmm. That's because there can be elements of truth that may not be identified as Catholic, but still are Catholic in nature. Right. And so if you find someone who is running what they may describe as a regenerative farm or an ecologically friendly or sound farm, then they're probably also homesteading because they likely understand at least the very natural importance of good health and good nutrition. Yeah. So finding community and building community is something that should probably always be present in your homestead. It's going to be something that grows. You're going to probably make new friends and people will leave your community. But something that is always a part of the homestead is the food. So point number two would be basically all things food. So you've got community number one. Number two is all things food. This one is unique because I think we almost take it for granted that when you begin homesteading, you're just going to have good, healthy, awesome food. But there are a few things that at least I was not prepared for, some of which are the quantity of food that you'll actually have. It takes a lot less garden space and a lot fewer seeds to grow an enormous amount of food, more food than you can possibly eat more food than a family of four, six, eight, ten can honestly eat. Yeah. And so it becomes a question of not how do we eat this amount of food, but how do we store this amount of food? Yeah, so it's more than you can probably eat in this season. But if you store it properly and preserve it, then it might feed your family for most of the non-growing season. Right. Which I think is ultimately the goal. I'm always going to emphasize If you haven't been able to do anything else, start in your kitchen. Start focusing on buying food, whole foods, buy vegetables, buy meat, and start learning how to cook it and get comfortable cooking it and find ways to make a rhythm out of cooking. Something that I focused on the last couple years before moving out here and really being able to dig into growing our own food was shopping seasonally. So I was still shopping at the grocery store. I still shop at the grocery store a lot less frequently, but I still do it. But I try really hard to buy seasonally. So you go to the grocery store and you can buy any vegetables you want. But if you start learning what's growing in the spring, what's growing in the summer, the fall, the winter, and you push yourself to only buy in season, And that also has to do with the region that you live in. Some things might be in season in other regions, but they're not in season in your region, which is going to be more akin to how you will be growing your own food. So learning what is seasonal, buying what's seasonal, cooking with the seasons is all something that it's helpful to get in that rhythm before you're even on the farm and you're growing that stuff because then you already know it's spring, We have a lot more greens. We have broccoli and cabbage and carrots. And this is how I'm going to be cooking. These are the recipes I like to use in the spring or similar in the fall. 
And I think that is actually a huge foundational piece that makes things flow a lot smoother once you're on land and you have a lot more food coming in. Yeah, that's a great point. So a lot of this is like if you're not on land right now or not in a homestead environment where you can grow your own food, it's really, really wise to learn to cook seasonally. Mm -hmm. And I think, as you mentioned, actually, I think this is probably the wisest thing is not just cook seasonally, but cook seasonally based on where you live. Because if you have an ambition or a goal of growing your own food, then that means that you are going to, in some ways, be bound to the season and where you live. For example, we don't grow avocados in zone 6B where we live, which is in southeastern Indiana, because avocados don't grow well here. But what does grow very well here, especially as we move towards things like the autumn time or in the springtime, are root crops, Mm -hmm. carrots, beets, potatoes, things of that nature, which means that we have an opportunity to learn how to use them extensively in our food. And if our recipes that we normally use don't currently include them, then it would be very wise for us to learn how to use them in recipes, either incorporating them into current recipes or possibly just identifying new recipes and learning to appreciate the, the, the changes in the taste of the seasons as we experience them where we live, which I think is really important because we recognize that people who listen to our podcast, we've already recognized is effectively international, Mm -hmm. which means that there may be people all around the world who don't have any familiarity with some of the crops that we ourselves grow at our farm. So it would be difficult for us to even offer advice on foods or recipes to grow or to to cook because where you are they may be different and so it's simply important to recognize that wherever you live it's really important to pay attention to the type of uh, plants that grow where you Mm -hmm. are even the types of animals that can be effectively raised where you live and develop your recipes and your palate and your 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 cooking in your kitchen around those types of foods yeah I think that is a huge point to focus on I think that another area that that you can look to is sourcing food. So even when you're homesteading and you are raising a lot of your food, there's likely going to be things that either didn't grow well for you that year or that you can't grow on your property or animals that you don't have space to raise. And so it's something whether you're on land and you have a big built out homestead or you're in the suburbs and you have a little garden in your backyard learning how to source your food outside of the grocery store is huge it's freeing it helps you find really good quality food and it also helps you make connections and build community so looking for local farms there's also a lot of people that are trying to help make it more convenient um, to buy food from local farms. There's farmers markets, I think, are growing a lot more than at least it's becoming a lot more familiar to me. I'm noticing them in all communities now. Sometimes you even have courier services that offer online services for delivery from Yes. Local farmers market esque, and you can search for those in your and in the internet where you are and find those, and those can be really helpful. Yeah. Sometimes there's bulk food services as well that you may become familiar with that can deliver bulk food from 
particular parts of the country. That may not help you mostly in eating seasonally unless you are very committed to simply limiting yourself and reserving yourself to only ordering food that would be within season of you. Yeah, it's a little more similar to shopping at the grocery store. Sure. But ultimately, I think the idea there is that it's important to become intentional in what you cook and mm-hmm. how you cook. And maybe you don't even cook yet. And that's a, that's fine. I mean, that, you got to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. And so maybe part of this conversation is simply to offer encouragement and inspiration that you can cook and that you can change your cooking style if you haven't already to only consider the things that are grown locally around you. Mm-hmm. And I would also offer as an encouragement to anyone that we really shouldn't allow uh, the pursuit of perfection to be the enemy yes. of progress. And so if you find yourself in a situation where you are simply frustrated, I would say at the end of the day, it's just food. And there may be a, a goal in making the food more localized to where you are. Mm-hmm. But if that goal is interfering in your spiritual progress because it's causing you frustration, then simply set it aside for the time being and don't allow yourself to become frustrated because it is a lower priority at the end of the day with regards to what it is to be a Catholic homestead, meaning that the word Catholic comes before homestead. Yeah. I think that this is one of the areas that I would I would consider myself pretty confident and comfortable in is the kitchen and with the food. But it's also something that I can look back on and really see the progression that I've made in my own cooking journey. And I hear a lot from other people that cooking can be really intimidating if it's not something that seems to come naturally to you. I think cooking can be intimidating as well, but I also find it exciting to take risks and to push myself and to try new things with cooking. That's not a strength of mine in other areas of my life. To be fair, your cooking is like a five plus star restaurant though. And so it also helps all of us in the household that when you cook, which is every day, uh, it's phenomenal. But it wasn't (laughs) when you met me, was it? Uh, I do recall that you didn't like onions when we first met. I didn't like onions. I pushed myself pretty quickly, though, to develop a palate for them, and it's now one of my favorite foods. I mean, it adds to everything that you can cook, basically. We eat a lot of onions and garlic. I will say, though, that cooking has taught me what I think is a foundational lesson to homesteading and to life in general, and that everything you're building on top of everything one small thing at a time learning how to comfortably chop vegetables so that that does not feel overwhelming and that's not what keeps you from making a home-cooked meal is a huge small step to make in the kitchen learning how to make a soup is like one recipe but once you learn how to make one soup You can make most any soup after that. So focus on the small things and consider them wins and then just build on top of it. In 10 years, you'll look back and you'll see how far you came and it was all just small steps that you built on top of. That is the lesson of life as well. It's something that I'm trying to learn in all the other areas of my life. But for me, it's really easy to see that progression happen in the kitchen. Yeah. I have been privileged to see it in you and also be a recipient of much of your cooking, and so I'm very thankful of that. But I have recognized more and more, and I think it's just simply important to finalize this particular point and conclude it with this statement or something like this, which is that 
we're all starting somewhere. Mm -hmm. And if you are identifying yourself as someone who is beginning this trend in your lineage or you are trying to learn these skills to pass on to your children, then the reality is that you're probably starting this from ground zero and that's okay. So I think that brings us to probably the third point, which would be the family rule. I think this is a very exciting point and something that we should all consider. Frankly, something that we have a lot of opportunity to develop and yes. get better at. And that is a caveat that maybe says like this could change over time or become more important over time. But ultimately, it should stand as a cornerstone of what it is to be a Catholic homestead. Yes, I think that this probably is the area that we could use the most growth on currently. It's not something that I think we were really familiar with the concept of earlier in our marriage but I think it's become very obvious that it's a very important part of the homestead right so when we say something like the family rule probably what that calls to mind is something like a monastic order their rule a religious order their rule which is basically you know when they pray when they eat how they pray what their day looks like almost like a scheduled environment and in fact i shouldn't even say almost it is a scheduled environment mm -hmm. and it includes all of their basic necessities as well as specifically dedicated time to the execution or carrying out of their vocation which is oftentimes oriented towards prayer mm -hmm. now as lay people who are involved in the vocation of marriage or committed to the vocation of marriage or just as single people our lives look a lot different than a religious brother or religious sister or a priest or a nun etc so we have to consider on our own inspired by the holy spirit what does it look like to develop a family rule that supports not only the basic needs of our family, which often means we are bringing in either the revenue or the goods themselves from the fields through harvest uh, or slaughter, and also inviting liturgical life prayer into our life? How do we create family rules that support both of those needs and ultimately move us closer to heaven? Something that I think is important to consider in that is trying to understand your family or your own, if you are single or religious, call in life. Like, what is it that God is asking of you? And I think that that can help you to develop the foundation, the mission statement of your rule. Because it, when you look at different orders, they all have a different charism that guides them. And I think that in homesteads, we have a lot in common with other homesteads, like the animals that we're raising or the type of vegetables we're growing. But we're still not going to be able to take the person next door that's homesteading their rule of life and apply it exactly to our life and it sm flow so smoothly because we have our own charisms in our family. We have our own call. We have our own mission in life and being able to discern that together or just discern it individually with God, I think is foundational in being able to create your role. Yeah. And I would argue that a lot of this is probably going to stem from the relationship. If it's a, you know, within the context of marriage, as an example, between the husband and wife and their prayer life and their charisms, as opposed to including simply, you know, the entirety of the family's charisms. And yeah. the reason I say that is because, 
it is incumbent upon the husband and the wife to create a household that is oriented towards liturgical life that supports prayer, supports the development of the spiritual growth of their children, including also themselves and one another, and ultimately orients everything that happens on their home, inside, and on the land towards God. Mm -hmm. And so I would say and suggest that it is very important that the husband and the wife come together in prayer and they confidently... Uh, identify a charism that can abound within their household that they want to welcome their children into, form their children into, that is guided by the principles of the Catholic faith and oriented towards everyone identifying their own vocations, uh, the children. And uh, obviously, because, you know, obviously the husband and wife have right. already identified their yeah. vocation, uh, but ultimately supports their growth in that spiritual development. And so I would encourage you in this instance to really write that out. What does prayer look like in your household? For us, the Angelus has taken a very strong hold of our household. Mm -hmm. And the Angelus for us has been a, a staple in our household of grounding our family in prayer. Mm -hmm. If no other prayer occurs in the day, it is the Angelus. Mm -hmm. Now in our household also, we say a morning prayer as a family and we say an evening prayer. And the evening prayer includes a confiteor which is a confession or ultimately an admission of our sin as a individual, which allows us to ask for God's mercy. And then we also typically petition various saints who may be uh, integral to the life of our family mm -hmm. or to the farm or uh, something else that may be going on in our life uh, that calls a particular patronage of a particular saint at the time. But we have morning prayer, evening prayer, uh, not the liturgical divine right. office morning and evening prayer but our own family's morning and evening prayer as well as the angelus as staples and i could say confidently at this point that those are markers of the charism of our family's rule of life which probably needs a little bit more organization mm -hmm. but is a good start i agree yeah so i think once you can identify your charism and your mission in your own family I think that that helps to guide your understanding of what your rule looks like and how to create order for your home. And your rule can even include when your meal times are yeah. and when prayer times are and when homeschool times are. And that's what I would encourage people. Not that you have to block every minute of your day, but that there needs to be a general order in your day and on your homestead. Because ultimately what can happen then is that if you don't have such an order, the homestead itself will command so much of your attention yes. that you will lose your time to actually be productive in the things that you ought to be productive in. Yes. This is particularly one of my weak spots, and I think that I often get overwhelmed by everything that needs to be accomplished, that I don't end up accomplishing much of what I wanted to do in the first place because of the overwhelm. But having that order in place helps to be able to tackle all the things that are going to come up in the day, whether they're planned things or unplanned things, being able to have a... a a guide of the direction that your day is going to go in and to know that ahead of time, I think helps to make the homestead flow better. I think it helps to develop discipline in the family. And I think it helps to encourage the, the growth of both the spiritual life and the community in the family. Yeah, I agree. I think this brings us maybe to the most important part, which is also our fourth point here which is basically all things liturgical life and prayer on the homestead. And you may think, well, we just talked about that <laughs> in the rule of the family. 
Well, you're right. We talked about scheduling it in, and that's ultimately what we are trying to guide towards. But the idea that there is a presence and an active understanding on the homestead, that there is a liturgical life present, one that conforms to the life of the Catholic faith, and a prayer life is incredibly important. And ultimately, everything on the homestead is uh, absent of meaning if it does not include prayer. And I think that's something that people should be very aware of, including ourselves. Mm-hmm. I think that something, both when you're talking about order and a rule and prayer, I, th- I think that something that comes up a lot is that people think that there's a right way. Like there is certain prayers that you have to say and like certain times that you have to wake up or eat meals or do certain things in the day. But I think that something that's important is learning that you can find what fits and what works for your family. You can try different things out. Some, like we have gone through periods where we say a nightly rosary. And I think we would both agree that we really enjoy doing that. But at certain seasons of our life, it doesn't fit in as well. And it's a lot harder to make work. But like you said, we have the Angelus. That's something that we've found flows very well in our family and we're able to come back to it. We come back to it over and over again. And it's just a part, like our day doesn't function. Like we don't go through the day without the Angelus. It just happens. I think today our oldest daughter attempted to interrupt me on a work call because (laughs) it was time to pray the Angelus. (laughs) And I appreciated that. And I also did not appreciate that. And I think it was a good teaching moment for prudence, but it was quite uh, beautiful that she was very concerned that it was time to pray the Angelus. I think I just wanted to encourage that sometimes we can beat ourselves up for not being committed to novenas or the daily rosary or whatever devotion it is that you're trying to incorporate into your life, but just... One, continuing to push through and try to develop the discipline because if you're not used to saying a daily prayer, it can be challenging to make it a part of your routine. But also being open to trying new devotions as you learn about them or if you keep hearing somebody talk about the Divine Mercy Chaplet or any type of devotion and it's something that you keep hearing come up in your life, like maybe give it a try and see how it fits. See the fruits that come from it in your family and don't beat yourself up. Just keep going and trying. Yeah. So I think, you know, the importance of this fourth point about basically all things prayer is that one, you need to have prayer in your life and prayer needs to be a part of your homestead. And if it's not, then you need to prioritize it immediately as being a part of your homestead in in fact i would argue that you should stop this recording and say a prayer simply to incorporate prayer into your homestead in this moment and today and secondly i would encourage you to consider being patient with yourself Mm -hmm. that the development of a prayer life on the homestead is one that takes time and it takes discipline that is not an excuse to not have prayer as a staple of your homestead but as an encouragement that we as humans have uh, moral failings and bodily failings and spiritual failings, and God is patient, merciful, and just, and that if we simply are continually committed to him and to developing a prayer life, which is ultimately a relationship with God, that he is, I hope and I pray, very pleased with that. And that 
is something that I take a lot of comfort in because I certainly, and I'm sure we as a family certainly, have a lot of opportunity to grow in this specific point. Definitely. But ultimately, those four points are incredibly important to consider and something that we should all be aware of when regarding uh, the building out of our Catholic homestead, community, things related to food, the family rule, liturgical life and prayer on the homestead, all things incredibly important as you either consider beginning your homestead or maybe you are a few steps into your homestead already and you're wondering, where do I go from here? How do I get control of this? And what does this look like going forward? You can do it. And that is a great place to conclude. Until next time on the My Catholic Homestead Podcast.